Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Broken Axle. I'm Steve. That's Craig. And tonight we have a treat especial from back in the day. Uh, another viewer, listener, whatever you want to call it, has asked for a relatively specific, what car should I buy? Uh, we've done a few of these back in the day on all sorts of topics. This one's kind of close to home. Um, not that long ago, seven or eight episodes ago, we did one on uh, B-Spec Nuggets and why they're the best thing you can buy for under ten grand, which I still pretty much stand by. But today's viewer, uh, Kyle, has asked us for what to buy for six to $8,000 that gets good gas mileage, is a fun commuter, and can, in a pinch, fit three kids in it. Kind of a tall order, but we will endeavor. Uh, a little bit of quantification for good gas mileage would be uh, mid-30s and up. Uh, three kids is a absolute, like, they can fit, not necessarily comfortable, because, you know, shove them in the back seat and make it work. And the six to $8,000 budget, well, that's a budget, whatever. Uh, fun, fun's always a subjective thing. Fast and fun are not necessarily intertwined. We've covered that a few times before, and we'll stand by it now. Uh, Kyle currently drives a minivan and a Miata, so clearly he is used to neither fast nor fun at the same time. <laughs> Just kidding, Kyle. We love you. It should also so, be noted that these kids are out of booster seats, or one of them's out of a booster seat, so you're not trying to stack car seat on car seat on car seat. Oh, yeah. We're just talking about kids and boosters, like kids in general or kids and boosters. Uh, fitting three car seats into a vehicle is a whole nother scale of problem that we will not be covering today. There are a few cars that can do it, but that's a uh, that's topic for another day. One day we're all going to be old talking about what car fits the car seats the best. Uh, our, our friends over at um, Straight Pipes, they started to do uh, car seat reviews with their car reviews. That's outstanding, actually. Them, yeah, both of them are uh, newly appointed dads, so congratulations to them both. That's a, that's pretty outstanding, actually. I'm a, I'm a dad myself, and uh, yeah, there's definitely uh, when you start trying to fit a car seat into cars, it's it's a whole new scale of fitting and actually fitting well. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I digress. Um, so first, we'll go over what I feel like for most people would probably be the obvious answer here: Toyota Yaris. <laughs> uh, and that's a few cars from the uh, B spec segment uh, for the under ten thousand dollar thing. Last time, Craig brought up the Chevy Spark only because uh, with some rebates and some other stuff, you could get a brand new one for just under 10. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's still pretty much phenomenal for the price. Uh, and it's not a Chevy. It's a Korean car, so it's even better. Uh, I don't know if that's actually better <laughs> or not, but it's different. Um, yep. So yeah, uh, I was not able to locate any probably just because they don't sell that many of them, but I'm sure with some digging, you could find a couple year old, maybe three year old spark in the price range we're talking about. Uh, but I really, at this price point, I don't necessarily think that's the best option. I think those are only the best option when you can get one for brand new for dirt cheap and then just ride it into the ground, do nothing with to it, but basic maintenance and abuse it into the ground. Yeah, and it's new based on that warranty because it comes with a fairly fairly girthy warranty. You're gonna have it paid off in less than five years, anyways. So yeah, and you just That's, do basic maintenance and nothing else to it, and flog it into the dirt. Yep. 
because honestly, it's going to have no resale in five years anyway. <laughs> it's a spark. <laughs> uh, so for for going that, uh, what do you want to take off with first, Craig, for B spec cars? Well, I, that, seriously, the R's. Um, when it comes <laughs> okay, to the different uh, segments, by the way, we're gonna we're gonna rewind for a second. Um, when it comes to different segments, um, for those of you who may not know, the different vehicles based on their sizing or I guess classing would fall into different categories, right? And so for when we say B, well, Steven said B spec, but B segments of cars, B segmented cars are considered your subcompacts where you have your C segment, which are going to be your compacts. And then you, I think it goes up from there because um, you get your midsize and full sizes. Yeah. So um, here in the States, that's actually based on interior volume, which can lead to some weird cars that you wouldn't expect to be uh, like the BMW six series is a subcompact. Although there's nothing compact about that car in the slightest. Yes. But yes. Uh, However, for the yeah, most part, it's what people think of as subcompacts, you know, little hatchbacks, uh, sedans, the occasional coupe. And when we in the little conglomerate friend group that we have, when we talk about B segment cars, typically what we mean is small front wheel drive manual hatchbacks. Um, there are some sedans and we'll get into that, too. But uh, typically it's small front wheel drive manual hatchbacks, typically less than 120 horsepower, maybe 1.6 liters. Maybe. For sure. Uh, and in this segment, I would say really for all of the following on discussion, uh, manual mm-hmm. is a near requirement critical part of this for because when you're trying factor. to make fun to drive happen and you don't have horsepower, having a manual is a critical part of that. Yep. Otherwise get a Prius C. <laughs> uh, honestly, he's not wrong. Uh, yeah. But anyways, Kyle, so my recommendation for you in the B segment world um our vehicles near and dear into my own heart and i'll let steven talk about his but uh you talk about the honda fit specifically the ge8 um chassis code which is 09 to 2014 um definitely come with a five-speed manual it comes with an l15 uh, i think b7 engine which is 115 horsepower with vtec which is always a plus the toyota yaris comes um you can buy the older generation or the one that i like is the 2012 and newer that has more of this angular um front end still comes with our our favorite near dear sweetheart the the comfy sweater that everyone loves the 106 horsepower one nz fe the indestructible engine that engine has been around for damn near 20 years and it's it, it's got so unlike unlike the mazas in the segment and unlike you know, the Ford engines in the segment, unlike Honda, this engine is the most well-rounded. It is the Mario of the engines, right? It just does everything decently well without anything being super spectacular. It makes good torque. It makes good horsepower at high end. It lasts a long time. It doesn't have any known issues, um, which can also be kind of a downside in, in the fun factor too, because like the Hondas, you rev the piss out of them. They have VTEC, you know, that's super fun. Um, VTEC. Everyone loves, everyone loves Rip and Tech. I love Rip and Tech. But those would be the two cars in the, the B segment category that I would recommend. And Steven has his own that we have brought up. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, so also in the segment you have the, uh, and Craig covered the two, I would probably say most reliable and the two typical JDM cars. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to briefly gloss over the Mazda two. It exists. Uh, it has a close cousin with another one of the cars on this list. And that car I think is a better answer. But the two exists, and it can be a great selection. Uses uh, Miata wheels, which is cool because Kyle owns a Miata, so I don't know. It could be some and cool stuff. And you can stuff get there. it in lime green, and lime green is win. 
it does come in obnoxiously bright colors, which uh, if you're going to own a tiny little hatchback, obnoxious coloration is always for the win. Absolutely. Uh, or maybe just cover it in stickers. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll have to, uh, for everybody out there listening, uh, go check out the Broken Axle podcast on Facebook and uh, hit up Craig. And I'm sure we'll find a way to get some pictures of his Yaris in all of its fully caged race car goodness. Or uh, nomadic.wheelman on Instagram. Um, I had started my Instagram at the very end of when it had the Yaris and my Yaris was stripped out, caged, B-spec, race car. Race, for the race car status. And stickers. Uh, so the other two that I'm going to suggest are both turbocharged uh, because turbos make everything better, but especially when you don't have any displacement or any horsepower, mm. turbo spool and turbo noises increase the fun factor tons. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Chevy Sonic with the 1.4 turbo mill that Chevy has been stuffing in basically everything front wheel drive for the last several years. Motor's pretty solid. It's nothing to write home about, right? It's your standard direct injected four cylinder modern uh, appliance. It makes a great torque curve in the middle. Doesn't sound particularly interesting, but uh, it's grunty and uh, it gets the job done. And in the Sonic, it's kind of cool, spunky, weird even. Uh, Downsides that uh, a Sonic with the manual, you're going to be slightly out of budget to get into an RS model Sonic. So you're probably looking at more like just a plain LT or LS, maybe even a base. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got a funky dash and everything. Uh, It's love it or hate it. Go take a look at some, drive them, kind of get your own feelings on it. But they're effective enough. And if you're a Chevy guy, then that's your Chevy option. Uh, The one that I'm going to hit on for B-Spec, because I have, (laughs) I've owned two of them now, are the Ford Fiesta SFEs. Right. So the Fiesta starting, uh, that body style started all the way back in like 2011, but the SFE didn't start till 13 or 14 and carried on through the end of the Fiesta line in 19. Uh, the SFE is a 998cc, yes, sub one liter, three cylinder. Turbocharged, makes like 120 horse, 140 something foot pounds. So honestly, not a ton more power than the normal naturally aspirated four cylinders in the segment, but with quite a bit more torque and a better torque curve than most of the four bangers have. Uh, and it's a three cylinder and three cylinders just sound cool. They've got a cool, uh, offbeat idle and exhaust note. And super bonus about them is that they only came in manual too, part of the super fuel economy package. Yep. And, uh, much like the pretty much anything in the segment is going to knock down mid to high 30 mile per gallon rate without trying too hard. And most of it will crack 40. If you're actually running the, you know, skinny tires and trying to drive for decent gas mileage, <laughs> or if you're me and, and, you and you're just flogging the crap out of them, you'll still get like 30 ish, 35, maybe depending on the car. Yeah. Um, my Yars and Honda both got about high. Well, I also live downtown in San Diego, but it got high 20, 28, 29s, 30s, but I'm also on super 200, 205 mil tires and downtown San Diego sucks. <laughs> Traffic and such. Uh, up where I live without traffic, but uh, still on moderately sticky performance rubber and just flogging the crap out of the car all the time. I get 34, 35 in the Fiesta. Yep. And uh, it's well worth it to me. Yep. Uh, so we're going to talk about mileage here for a second, and then we'll roll into the stuff that isn't the obvious uh, B segment cars. Oh, uh, one more before we move on to that. Uh, and these are slightly out of budget, but I think they're worth consideration. 
the last or the, I guess the current generation of the Yaris and the last generation of the Scion IA, uh, both of which are the Mazda 2 that we don't get here in the States. The Mazda 2 died out a couple generations ago. Yeah. Uh, those in are also, States. yeah, correct. In the States. Uh, they are hard to find in a manual, but, uh, and I was not able to locate any while we're researching for this episode, but uh, if you could locate one, I would imagine you could get it right about the top of your budget because typically they tend to sit at dealer lots a lot because nobody wants to deal with a not performance car in a manual. They're just not popular. So take a little while to get one, but if you could line into one, you could very well get one for eight, eight and a half thousand and have a, a really nice late model vehicle. The Mazda two chassis is renowned for being really good. So that said, uh, talking about mileage, just using some uh, round averages, uh, we're looking at uh, 16,000 miles a year, which is a high commute average. Uh, Kyle has mentioned that he has a, got a pretty hefty commute, so that's the numbers we're rolling with. Uh, $3 a gallon for fuel, assuming that uh, all of us are running cheap swill water in our daily drivers because... You're not from California. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what the price is out there in Cali, but... uh. Sucks to be you guys. I don't, I don't know what to tell you there. Yeah. Two weeks ago, we saw, I saw a spike of 91 octane, which is 93 at uh, 560 a gallon. Oh my God. But that's pretty bad. Locally, uh, it's been around four, 380 to four. And then 410 is about as high as I've ever paid for it. That's pretty heinous, actually. But uh, okay then. So yeah, I was running numbers at uh, $3 a gallon because I thought that seemed like a pretty reasonable average. It's more than I usually yeah, see. average is a lot better, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than I usually see 87 for here, but uh, yeah. well, now you know. Anyway, uh, assuming 3 bucks a gallon, 16,000 miles a year. Um, a 20-mile-per-gallon average, which is about as low as I feel like most people would put up with for a daily driver, if you're not, Craig. <clears throat> big V8 or an RX-8 yeah uh, is $2,500 a year in fuel cost a significant amount not not crippling but it's significant uh, at 30 miles to the gallon that cuts to $1,600 a year right so basically $75 a month to go from 20 saved in fuel cost going from 20 to 30 miles per gallon uh, yeah you can make your own decisions about whether 75 bucks a month is worth the difference between, uh, you know, a V8 and a Civic, but that's your own choice to make. Uh, the point that I'm getting to here is that uh, going up to 40 miles per gallon from 30 takes us from $1,600 a year to like 1250 Now we're looking at uh, not nearly enough savings. So my point with all this is that uh, for people that commute heavily, gas mileage does matter, but actually run the numbers for yourself based on your commute and how much, you know, per month you're looking at before you lump yourself into driving something uh, like a Prius because you need to save gas. Because I'm going to be honest, most of the time it's just not worth it. Like the numbers are not in your favor. Now, that said, if you drive something that gets absolute shit for mileage, you know, 12, 13 mile per gallon, like old school <laughs> V8 truck or something. Uh, excuse me. 74 C10 with 454 and three speed got seven miles to the gallon. 
Yeah. Okay. In that case, yes. (laughs) Having something else to drive for the gas mileage makes sense. Made my RX-8 look like a fuel sipper. (laughs) (laughs) But if you already get something that uh, gets, you know, mid to high 20s, I don't think there's a lot in this for you as far as driving something else to save gas. And this also parallels the whole, like, should I buy a new car that's fuel efficient versus a used car or keep my current car? And the cost here is it's $900 to get something from the 20-ish range to the 30-ish range. And for me, the return on that $75 a month, it's not worth it at all. And in fact, uh, a used car might have lower insurance, which would trump the whole cost of that anyways. And then yeah, when you sure. get into like the 30 miles to the gallon to the 40, finding a fun car that's 40 miles to the gallon capable saves you less than $400 a year. Again, that cost is a few less Starbucks a week. It's not worth it. Yeah. So uh, the word from Craig to the world out here is uh, just drive a V8 because America and stuff. Well, (laughs) drive what you have, unless you absolutely have to buy something and then buy something for a specific application that isn't gas mileage. Because if you're going to buy for gas mileage, go ahead and get an EV. It's going to be coal powered anyways, but you know, there you go. That's That's also a fair point. Uh, we've talked about them a few times on this channel, but uh, EVs for just efficiency and everything else for a lot of commu- for a lot of people. I don't know about Kyle's exact situation, mm-hmm. but for a uh, a lot of commuters with a you know sub thirty mile daily commute, it's starting to look like it's going to be the thing, my friends. Hey, Mini Cooper, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, Mini Cooper, if you want to, somebody at Mini, if you guys want to hit us up with a press car for the Mini Cooper EV, uh, we'll send it out to Craig and. Get a good review in for it. We'll see how the Mini Cooper EV deals with Cali. <laughs> it actually segues into a good uh, C segment car. So now we're going up from the subcompact to the compact class, which is actually fairly large nowadays. It is. But, um, it is. And uh, you can get stuff that's not total shit boxes anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the problem with the B segment is that even the nice stuff in the B segment is kind of not nice. Well, hold on a second. It's got Bluetooth. It's got power windows. It's got air conditioning. It's... It's nice. If you don't have to manually open up every single one of your doors, it's got amenities. <laughs> and that tells you how old we are. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there is going to be a point when uh, somebody listening to this is going to be like, what the hell does wind down the window mean? And uh, that's when I'm going to officially admit that I'm old. Yeah. But um. so uh, that said, C-segment cars. What do you got? Yep. Well, I was going to segue into the, the Focus actually has the Ford Focus has an actual all EV version of their, you know, car. And dynamically speaking, the Ford Focus chassis is chuckable and, and it has a fairly good modification pool and you can make them a whole lot of fun for not a whole lot of money. And there's always takeoffs from the Ford Focus ST. Having having a model that has a high performance spec makes your lower base performance cars A, very cheap and B, makes OEM plus parts very accessible. And this extends uh, all the way out to even the, the, the base, like focus manual, um, not hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's literally what's on my Fiesta is Fiesta ST wheels and the FRPP suspension pack yep. and getting cheap parts off the high spec car. Yep. Send it and just send it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so also to go with that on the focus, uh, I don't a hundred percent know if the EV would work out. It's pretty limited on range, but it might for his situation. Mm-hmm. In that same vein, the uh, non-ST Focus from the last, uh, will that be 2011 up through nearly current? Yeah. That, body style was basic, that chassis was basically unchanged. Yeah. 
the SE variant with the regular Duratec motor and a five speed is, uh, well, yeah. And, and good. we even found, we even found one that was a titanium version, which is like your high spec, you know, nice interior. I found one out in California of all places too. That was less than $8,000 less or around a hundred thousand miles. And it's sunroof leather interior heated seats. Like this is the focus that's like fully touted up for $8,000 and, ST suspension, rear sway bar, and you got yourself a very fun car. And the Duratec is a gift from God. I love the Duratec engine. That's uh, one of one of definitely. I would agree. One of the best things that came out of the Ford Mazda togetherness years was the Duratec mills. Uh, they were yep. great in basically everything they put them in. Yep. My dad has a Duratec V6 that has over two hundred seventy thousand miles on it, and the only thing we replaced was an alternator and an AC condenser. Oh, right and on. an engine mount, but engine mounts years. Anyways. <clears throat> so yeah, uh, the base focus, uh, we definitely, that one that Craig mentioned was titanium, but there was a lot of them with uh, reasonable miles in great shape for very low money. And uh, I'll be honest, I don't have a good answer about why the resale on those is so bad. Uh, we were theorizing that maybe because of the focus STs being the halo car, that it has just kind of shit canned the use value of all the rest of the focuses. And that's definitely a consideration. I also think that the Ford PowerShift transmission debacle yeah. has kind of hurt the uh, resale on the Ford Fiestas and Focuses because the automatics that were in them were uh, just not good. They weren't really yeah. automatics. They were like dry clutch, electronically controlled. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't Ford's experiments. Yeah. yeah, transmission didn't, experiment. Didn't work out super awesome. However, not as bad as comma. Nissan and the Jetco CVTs. Like, not that bad, but <laughs> okay, still not Scotty. good. But um, when we're mentioning these two, it should be noted that we're looking at specifically manual or more preferred manual cars. And the manual focuses, I think, shared the transmission with a Mazda design. And this is the same Mazda front-wheel drive transmission that they had through the years of like even the Mazda Speed 3 and the Speed 6s. So it's it's a fairly robust manual front-wheel drive transmission. Yeah, it works well. Um, there are also, this would be super weird, but there are focuses with that same uh, one liter three cylinder. Yeah. Uh, they're not common and not something I would go searching for, but uh, if you just happen to roll into one, eh, might be worth taking a look at. Definitely, definitely not as fun as like the Fiesta, but no, but might be worth taking a just, look. Yeah. It's used Marcus. So whatever's out there. Yeah. Uh, along that same vein, uh, the 2013 and up Mazda three, uh, happens all the time in this price range. Uh, the one to go for in that would be the 2.5 liter. So not one of the I trim levels, but one of the S trim levels and well, a manual not, once again, of course. Yeah. Not a sky active. It has a sky active on the back. It is not the 2.5 I, which is the one you want. It's the 2.0 liter sky active engine, which is down on power. If you want the 2.5 dirt. Yeah. I think Mazda calls it the L block. Yep. Same thing, but uh, it works good works awesome actually yep. uh, and that chassis once again uh, is fairly closely related to the focus chassis although not the same and uh, is well loved by uh, you know the Mazda 3's had praise for being a great compact car chassis for basically its entire life yep uh, and, including to present day yeah and um, they had the high performance model the, the Mazda Speed 3 which may or may not be accessible at this price range but it does give you kind of 
the brother sister thing going on here, where if they made performance parts for a Mazda Speed 3, you could fit them to the lower spec Mazda, suspension wise at least. Fair point. I was like, I don't know if I would, uh, I'm sure you can get a three in this price point. I don't know that I would want a three from this price point. Speed three. Yeah. Yeah. Speed three. That's going to be a rough car, but maybe. Uh, so with that said, those are, I think the two, uh, newest and most obvious. Uh, we're going to roll into a couple of a lot less obvious, but mm-hmm. very possible options. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, well, I'll lead this off, I guess. The Golf TDI or or Jetta TDI, basically the same thing, just hatchback versus sedan. Um, take some doing, but you can find Mark V <laughs> Volkswagen BW in the house. If you haven't seen the uh, Volkswagen pit my ride commercials, go check them out. Yeah, they're all sign of the times. This was yeah <laughs> back in the day. That was that was some good advertising from back in the day. So yeah, the um the TDI's got fantastic mileage, like yeah. 50, 55 miles per gallon on the regular. And the torque curve from them actually makes them fun, despite not making any horsepower. Yeah. Uh so you're looking at a fairly low end, either low spec or high mile, or maybe both, uh Mark V TDI or a really nice Mark IV. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's just kind of a personal choice thing. The Mark IVs are kind of rattly and they kind of feel like cheap compacts, but uh, they're lighter and more fun in a lot of ways. And the motors are simpler. Mark fives are more complex, but also a lot nicer and a lot better put together. Uh, in either case, you're dealing with an older Volkswagen. So check engine lights and electrical problems are just part of the game. Thank God for big communities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make friends with somebody Vortec- with a Vagcom. Yeah. Is Vortex still a, yeah, the VW Vortex is still a thing. Absolutely. See, see, kids, before we actually had, like, you know, social media and Facebooks and Instagrams, we had to join these things called forums. You'd have to find your vehicle-specific forum and join it. Where are my Nasiak fans at? Eh? Yeah, right. Nasiak back in the house. Um, oh, so that said, uh, I don't know that I would necessarily recommend one, but it's definitely worth consideration. Uh, you also have to factor the increase, increased price of diesel most places and the reduced availability, but yeah, not a bad option. And you can, I think you can get the, like the Euro diesel tunes for them and actually get more efficiency. Yep. Absolutely. They do some, uh, typically do some, tunes on them, pick up mileage and power, which is just yeah. a win-win all around. It's diesel magic. And you get to roll coal on people in a car, which uh, could be a good thing. Uh, so know. 2010. <laughs> right on. All right. So Craig, do you want to cover for us the Chevy option in the C segment? Okay. So this one is kind of a, a curveball here. And so I want you all to kind of brace yourselves. I am normally not a big Chevy fan. That's not classic or trucks. Um, however, comma the, and the Chevy Spark's not a Chevy, it's a, a Korean car. However, comma, the European-based Chevy Cruze 1.4-liter turbo does come in a manual. Front-wheel drive sedan is kind of a, an outlier in the group where it's actually a fun-to-drive vehicle. Just so happens to be paired with a punchy turbo engine, and it has a manual, and it's actually something that's livable. Um, on three different occasions my family has rented this out or i've rented it out specifically because it was more fun than you know <clears throat> ultimas um and 
because of this, they're kind of, like I said, an outlier that I'm well known about. And that on the used market turns into be kind of a fantastic deal. Um, again, it's a little bit bigger, a little bit less sporty, but there still exists aftermarkets for it. It still kind of looks cool. The guys over in the European lands actually race the damn things. They're awesome. And I fairly enjoy them. The thing for me was the seating position. If you could have a seat that makes, you know, a person's Steven size feel comfortable and then adjust enough to make myself feel comfortable, then it's a win-win. And uh, especially for some of these subcompacts, that's an important thing to take a look at. Uh, Kyle is a fairly tall dude, but uh, also if you're in the market, <laughs> Craig is a huge dude as well. <laughs> at some point we'll have to do does Craig fit videos or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's an important thing to take a look at, right? A lot of these compacts for big dudes can get mm-hmm. kind of tight. Yeah. Uh, also, sunroofs, typically you lose like two inches of headroom in a sunroof car versus non. And uh, if you're one of those dudes that needs like every last inch of headroom, that's a consideration. A non-sunroof trim might be uh, might be what you need. Yep. I will say that with the Cruise, though, with the sunroof, does have enough seat to give me plenty of headspace. The thing goes down to the ground. Like, it's amazing. It's good to see. So, uh, one more in the C segment, and this one is a hair older, but I think it's a good contender for uh, the numbers that we've been asked for. And that is a last generation, so let me see, that'd be 06 and up. Or I guess now that's two generations old. uh, Civic SI. Uh, 8th gen, 8th gen Civics. 8th gen, yeah. We went around about this. uh, We looked at like RSXs, TSXs, some other stuff. Uh, But what it really comes down to is that this generation of Civic Si, especially in sedan, uh, I mean, the coupe also works. It just kind of looks weird and you don't gain anything. The coupe's not any lighter. It's not really any shorter. There's no gain. Just get the sedan. (laughs) Sedan gang. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's not a bad looking car. Uh, The K20... Six speed with a, I want to say Torsen style. It's a limited slip of some sort. I believe it's a Torsen style limited slip. Yeah. It just works really well. Like overall, the car's dynamics are great. Uh, the K20, you know, it's Honda from back before Honda went turbo. So mm-hmm. screamer for the red line VTEC noises. Uh, what is that? About 200 horsepower. Yeah. If memory serves. Untuned, uh, unmodified. Yeah, plenty. plenty to be uh, more than adequate, fun driver, geared perfectly. Uh, shifter action is typical Honda six-speed, otherwise known as phenomenal. Yep. And, and uh, aside from the motor and trans, the rest of the car is typical mid-2000s Honda. Yeah. Just to say functional and really good. Yeah, no no crack dashes here. You're not going to get premium leather wrapped everything, but you're not going to have cracked ashes. It's not going to creak and rattle over everything. It's just a good solid car. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you'll be looking at one with, uh, probably in the low hundred thousands mileage at this price point. However, um, K twenties are normally rock solid. Hondas are normally rock solid. The S 2000 entered the chat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I cried. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I would agree. Most Hondas are solid. Most Hondas are uh, solid. There's, we've, we've had a few not awesome runnings. Um, 
And for the other Hondas, we also considered like the Accord V6 manual, which is a fantastic car as well. Um, But honestly, it doesn't get phenomenal mileage. (laughs) Yeah. So years ago, I had an 07 Accord. I had the the Unicorn of the Unicorns, right? So if the RSX Type S was like the coolest compact or subcompact or whatever it is, the Accord V6 with a manual six-speed was like the unicorn to have, but it didn't get that great. Guess, it was like nineteen twenty around town. Yeah, and the... Pull, pull super hard. Yeah, the V6 Hondas have uh, a relatively aggressive timing belt in replacement interval if memory serves, don't they? It's 50K, I think, and it is... 50 it or can, 60K? Yeah, it can, get, it can get expensive, and they need to have a master Honda tech. Um... However, comma, that's just V6 things. Yeah. It's just something to keep in mind. It's uh, for, As compared to a lot of other stuff, as far as modern V6s, they have a much more aggressive timing belt replacement interval, and it's an expensive service. Yep. But at the that same said, time... That said, that motor sounds awesome. And it's, relatively speaking, not going to have many issues. So if you spend $2,000 every four years... Me? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Who cares? Um, so, uh, I think that wraps up our, uh, stuff that we actually do recommend. We'll roll through a couple of things that, uh, I don't necessarily recommend that we looked at. We just either couldn't find good examples or there's some various reasons why I don't recommend these. Well, there's also everything we mentioned kind of falls into the conformity of it has to have, you know, capacity to hold three kids at, at an emergency type basis has to be fun to drive and high mile or high gas miles return. The stuff that we're going to list off here, mostly it's, it's about the gas mileage return. It doesn't have it, but earlier we talked about like how the gas mileage changes doesn't really make a huge bit of difference. So right. we'll continue on. Yeah. Um, oh, we did have one more that didn't make the, it does make the gas mileage. It just doesn't make the list because I don't think you're actually going to find one. Uh, the Corolla XRS, Matrix XRS, and Vibe GT. GT. Pontiac Vibe GT. Uh, all of which are basically the same car. Just the Corolla platform in either sedan or wagon form. Or the Corolla platform with uh, a Pontiac Vibe. A Pontiac logo stuck on the front of it. Uh, all of these are 2ZZ six-speed cars. Which is Toyota's answer to the K20 a little 1.8 liter, super angry, 8,000 plus RPM screamer. Great deal of fun. Um, We've left them out of an official recommendation because I really don't think that you'll be able to find one at decent mileage in the price point that we're talking about or possibly find one at all. They only made them for a handful of years. And by this point, a lot of them are in rough, rough shape. But, uh, you know, Unicorns happen. You happen to see one in the right price bracket in your area. Could absolutely be a contender. Yep. Uh, That said, as Craig mentioned, moving to the uh, stuff that meets, ticks the rest of the boxes, just doesn't quite make the mileage. Uh, As I mentioned previously, we are not talking about some straight seven mile to the gallon garbage because that does like legitimately make a difference. But the stuff we're going to mention is still in the mid twenties or at least 20 plus. So we're looking at, you know, that $70 a month fee to drive something that's not the great mileage car. So, so I, I want to start this off here and yeah, Steve yeah. already knows, but Kyle, you have an hour commute to work every day. 
right? So that includes stop and go traffic, time on the highway, just cruising along, bebopping along, right? You don't want a noisy tin can with growly 200 treadbird tires. You want a nice personal luxury barge with lazy boy comforter seats and an overdrive that has an engine humming along at 1200 RPMs. You, sir, want a Crown Victoria. Done. Done. End the show. Answer. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some people joke about uh, the answer is always Miata. Well, for Craig, the answer is always. It's always a Crown the Panther Vic. chassis. Grand Marquis, Lincoln Town Car, Crown Vic Sport. Always the answer. Before Cletus made it cool. Something Cletus. Um, I mean, it is hard to argue with this logic for uh, overall buy-in price is really low. Uh, cost to run them is also hilariously low. Yeah. Like none. But basic maintenance on them. Rock Auto has everything you could ever want for pennies. Yeah. Um, I'll throw in my hat in here as well in that same vein and say that a B body will also return low twenties on the highway for mileage. Explain what the B body is to the unassuming listener. Oh yeah. For the unassuming out there. Uh, so Chevrolet's B body, uh, especially in wagon form was in my opinion, the most fantastic all purpose daily vehicle ever created and a better SUV than 90% of the crossovers on the market right now. Definitely more capable than literally all of them. Drop Mike. We'll have a we'll have a future episode on why some of these older wagons make more better SUVs than the current yeah. SUVs do. What in a future episode? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the short version, full frame V8, seven thousand pounds of towing, and fits a four by eight sheet of plywood inside. And, uh, and a lot of these SUVs like car. can't yeah. do any of that. Oh, and also does burnouts because yeah. America. <laughs> yeah, and that, that in it. itself is fun. And and if you get. You were talking about the Oldsmobile, the the custom. Yeah, the old custom cruiser. Um, again, lazy boy comforter seats. The thing will just float oh, over yeah. cracks and bumps, and you just cruise and have a good time. Yeah, the B body encompasses the Olds custom cruiser, the Buick Roadmaster in all of its wood grained eighties glory, or the Caprice wagon, which kind of looks like a cop car. But the other two are awesome. Yep. Going along with those, uh, some other options that would be. Acceptable mileage, not awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lincoln Mark 8s, just saying. It's uh, basically the same thing as a Panther, but uh, two-door and even nicer inside. Or at least with more <laughs> acres of leather. And, and more useless on the inside. <laughs> uh, yeah, because America. It's it's a personal luxury cruiser. That's that's what it is. Um, shoot, oh, I feel like we had one more. I feel like we had one more car. Oh, I wanted to mention the like a Subaru Foresters. Um, again, not super phenomenal yeah. gas mileage, but super common engine transmission series. Subframes are swappable with Imprezas. Million of parts out there. Um, the problem is, is that any manual Forester, turbo or not, carries the Subaru tax, and it, you might not even find a good one. Um, and then you got you know things such as head gasket leaks or the timing belt hasn't been changed out. Just the reason why we didn't bring it up originally is because it's just too much. It's it's like it's like even a WRX. You can buy an eight thousand dollar WRX, but time bombs. Do you syndrome. want that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few cars that got left off the list because of uh, various uh, what we'll call taxes. They're not actually taxes, but the brand or model associated tax. Um, we didn't mention the fit in the B segment for the same reason. Fits are 
I'm not going to say they're overpriced, but compared to the other stuff in the B segment, they're kind of overpriced. Yeah, I mentioned the fish, but yeah, in, in for a good cheap vehicle, you're looking at either high mileage fit or you're gonna you're gonna find yourself like a Toyota Yaris. It's actually what it's supposed to be price wise. Yeah, that's the problem with the fit, right? Is like in the price segment we're talking about, you'd get a Yaris with like half the miles. Yeah, and ninety you know, percent the same vehicle as far as capability. That's the conversation versus the RSX Type S versus like an older or the the same generation SI. For whatever yeah. reason, the Acura just holds the stigma of being worth more, even though it's not. And then this SI is better in every way. Basically, yeah, you'd be looking at a paying more for the Acura and a little bit more leather inside. And uh, I just I don't see it at this price point for sure. And honestly, with kids and leather, sorry, bro. Just <laughs> not about it. Um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, some other stuff that uh, just didn't wind up for various reasons. Um, Any truck. Subarus. Trucks. Because he already has a Sienna. Yeah, right. The Sienna is totally. Uh, that said, for the people out there that uh, haven't dealt with a minivan being used as a truck, uh, Kyle is doing it right. Older minivans make fantastic all-purpose utility vehicles. Mm-hmm. Once again, better than most of the crossovers on the market. A lot of them with the seats folded down, they fit crap in them great. Mm-hmm. They tow. Some of them tow, you know, 25, 3,500 pounds. Uh, they'll tow me out on a trailer. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so Toyota Sienna as a, as a, uh, a track vehicle. The, the hey, I'm rig. just saying. <laughs> Prefer the I'm Roadmaster. Not as awesome as a Roadmaster because V8 Merca. But unless you find the super rare Previa all wheel drive. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a uh, totally didn't make it on the list, but uh, if you happen to find one old. for the right price, yeah, I and would this, totally this, respect you for daily driving an all wheel drive supercharged Previa with a manual. Yeah. This is also painful for me and Steven too. Cause like some of the stuff that's really cool is just now gotten to the point of it's so old. It's obscure. Like I would yeah. love to mention the, like the, the, the protege five, but that's now 20 years old. You're going to have 20 old car issues. For sure. And uh, the thing is that modern stuff has just gotten better, honestly. If you're talking about a daily driver, like it's, it's just gotten better. I guarantee you that Ford Focus SE model is going to wax that Project 5's ass all day long in every yeah. in every category. Yep, for sure. Uh, I left the Corolla off of this list on purpose. Same problem. The Corolla tax is real. And they're they obnoxiously overpriced, and they're just not yeah. better in any they're way. Not- they're not that much fun. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up too, and this is this was an outlier and kind of batted it to the end, but Lexus makes a version of the Prius, which I think is kind of cool. It's the CT200H. Um, Prius driveline, so it is slow and it is fuzzy <laughs> and it's noisy. However, comma, it's a Lexus and it doesn't look like a Prius, therefore it's automatically cooler. And then because of that, it, the Prius and the Lexus also share, I forget what architecture it is, but you have lowering spring and sway bar and like wheel options. So you can actually make it kind of cool. Um, but it's still slower than shit and unfun in every way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing fun and Prius in the same group. No, it's Alexis. I'm just not with it, man. I don't care. CC 200 H. Nope. Um, not about Speed it. Academy has a pit my ride. I think three part episode on, uh, basically modifying a CT 200 H and it looks it looks apart. If it had anything other than the Prius drive line, it actually might be good, but Lexus isn't about that. 
fair point. Oh, uh, so it's entirely possible we missed some stuff. So mm-hmm. for the listeners out there, feel free. Uh, drop us a comment here. Uh, head on over to the Facebook page. Drop something over there on uh, Craig's Instagram at nomadic.wheelman or mine. I'm at just can't drive 55 on Facebook. Um, and if you're out there on YouTube land, make sure you like comment and subscribe. I think likes are the, the big thing that algorithms are having the algorithm. Yeah, I think, um, but definitely leave a comment myself and Steven, both, uh, we hawk the, the comment section right now. Cause we want feedback on how to make things better. Maybe you have sure. some random topic to bring up. Uh, anything else you want us to bring up? You got a car, you want to know what you should buy. Feel free to hit us up. We can bring it up anonymously or not, whatever you want to do. And uh, if you've got something that we absolutely missed and you want us to forward on to Kyle, we will be more than happy to do so. Uh, I've said it a few yeah. times before, you know, we don't know it all. I'm sure there's some random Trabant or Yugo or something that I have no idea about. That's a fantastic 50 mile per gallon used car. That's fun to drive. Dacia Sandero. <laughs> <laughs> and on that terrible put a blindfold note. on. On that terrible note, go brush some knuckles. Good night, everyone. Good night.